this is a man's world But we won't quit, this is a man's world She Who Dares Wins Hello and welcome to the She Who Dares Wins podcast. Uh, my guest this week is Anjali and she's a project surveyor. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you and uh, thanks for having me. No worries. Um, so I think you and I have been on the same speaking circuit at events, but never come across each other. I know, it's so bizarre, isn't it? Like, we've probably <laughs> known of each other for so long, but just never actually met in a networking room, which is, yeah, crazy. It is crazy, yeah. No, I see, like, um, events I've been to and then you popped up and, it, yeah, and there's a couple of events that I think I missed this year just for um, different circumstances. And, yeah, I just wanted to speak to you because you, you're doing so much, um, you doing so many positive things in helping to encourage um, women and ethnic diversity in the industry. So, yeah, I just wanted to know your story as well because I'm always interested in that um finding out how people got into the industry and what their passions are so firstly I guess for anyone out there that's listening can you just explain what a project surveyor is so for me a project surveyor um I come from a subcontracting background so it's very much different to a main contracting background where you might be on one project just looking after the financial um, roles of just one job um, but for me I look at multiple jobs um, that we work on so I look at the cash flow forecast ensuring that the works we're doing is as tendered and what is in within our contract so once we win a job um, it's kind of my job to make sure we're building as per that and those specs and if anything changes I need to be able to pick it up quite quickly and ask for any variations or any design changes and it's kind of um, working hand in hand with the contractor um, to make sure that you know everything's running smoothly um, there is elements of project management that I get involved with um, I look after health and safety aspects as well at the company so um, I just help oversee our internal audits our external audits all our accreditations um, but as a surveyor, I kind of go on site about two to three times a week. Um, it, it's not necessarily the same job. It can be the different jobs that we're working on and just review progress and make sure that, you know, everything is being done as um, as we have in our contract, really. OK, that's interesting. And so do you mainly are you employed by the client or the contractor? Um, by the contractor, yeah. So um, there's all these large contractors out there. So we would tender or help them throughout the tender stage when they're trying to win the job with their clients. Um, it can be bizarre, really, because you can have the same job come from multiple contractors that we work with, but we just still have to tender it for each and every one of them. Um, and that really gives us a bit of hope that there could be a chance of us actually winning it if you're helping more than one contractor win a job with the client so it helps us to forecast um our next year as well okay interesting and, and how did you how did you get into all of this what was your career path from you know from, did you always want to be in construction and, and be a surveyor or had what happened yeah so it's really bizarre for me so um when when I was young, like my dad, it, um, I work with my dad as well, so it's a family business. Um, but for us growing up, me and my siblings, uh, we used to only see our dad sometimes on the weekends when he would bring home like work. Otherwise, he was working out on sites, and then even after the hours of school and stuff, he'd still be at work. Um, and you know what site life's like—you're up and out really early. So growing up, 
um, construction was always there. Like a lot of our uncles and, um, you know, people within our community are carpenters or trade workers. So it's always been around me, but I've never been exposed to the professional um, aspects of the industry, really. So it was about year 11 and I kind of went for um, work experience with my dad. And that's when I kind of saw the industry in a different light. And then a lot of my older cousins were kind of thinking of going into the industry, either engineering or surveying. Um, But they were all the males. Um, There was no girls around me that I knew of that were in the industry at all. So cut cut the story short, um, I was doing my A-levels and I really wanted to join the company. Um, But there was a lot of speculation about me joining more if, it would be fit for me, I guess, um, not the other way around because my dad had seen what the industry's like and I don't think he really wanted to expose me to it at such a young age, especially because yeah. I'm like daddy's little girl sort of thing. So yeah. he was quite scared and even my uncle, they were like, is it going to work, family working together? Um, so anyway, they decided now just just carry on doing what everybody else in school's doing. So I really wanted to do an apprenticeship whether it was construction or not, but the school just kind of just said to me, no, you're too bright to let your future slide. Like really just do your A-levels, go and do something at university. And so I just kind of followed everybody in school because all my friends were either doing law or economics or even medicine. So there was a lot of pressure on me um, as as a kid, really, especially um, culturally, you kind of get compared to other kids sometimes, Not, not necessarily my parents, but like other people kind of just compare you without you knowing. So I went on to Brunel University for two weeks, did accounting and finance. And then my dad just gave me a call and he just said, look, um, we're going to take the plunge. We want to give you the opportunity to come and work with us. And I'd never looked back since then, really. And that was my journey into the industry. Well, that's good. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting how... Um when I hear stories about how people get into construction and one of the common ones is that they have family um, that, you know, kind of paved the way or that they just completely fell into the industry by accident. But yeah, it's, it's interesting for anyone out there listening. Um, I know a lot of girls that have parents that are concerned about them moving into the industry and I actually did a little podcast with my own dad. He works, um, he has a business. It's not directly related to construction. He's um, electrical manufacturer of, of products. Um, but yeah, it, it is it is interesting. I think that causes sometimes a little bit of a stumbling block for people when they're passionate about something. But it's 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 really nice to hear that it worked out and actually um you know that your journey in was I, I guess nice to be backed by a supportive father um rather than having to fight tooth and nail to to get there and at the end of the day you have to think don't you that they've only got your best interest at heart um (laughs) if your dad knows what the interest the industry is like it's i think it's even harder um because yeah you're exposed i mean i think of it now having um you know a child of my own is it an industry where you you would want your kids to go into in 10, 20 years? But, you know, I'm, I'm so glad that, that it happened for you. And and how did you find, go, obviously you went in quite young. Um, yeah. yeah it, it's, and, and also I guess there's an added pressure that if you work for a family business, it's kind of like, oh, well, you're in because, 
you work for a family yeah. business. Did you find any of that? And, and what kind of challenges did you have at the start? Or was it all plain sailing? What was no, that like? it, was, it was very difficult for me. I think it still is. Like um, going into an environment where you've walked into an office and people might just necessarily think you're working at the company because you've just been handed a free pass. It's so right. different. It's an opportunity, but I have to prove myself even more than anybody else walking through that door because yeah. there's much more expectations on me to know more things, to be able to do more things. Um, so when I started at the company, um, my dad and uncle kind of made it um, concrete that we're not going to tell anybody who you are. And it's just yeah. by chance that um, growing up, my dad and me, um, well, all of our si- my siblings and my dad and parents have um, different surnames to us. So no one would have been able to put two and two together anyway. Mm, okay. Um, I kind of had that as as like a thing. Um, so no one knew who I was, um, which was really good. Um, I kind of kept it that way. But in terms of the community and stuff, um, especially being from a very um, traditional background and like traditional community, it was very dif- difficult. People kind of assumed that, oh, she must have failed her A-levels or not done very good in school because, look, she's working with her dad. No one saw it as that's a really good opportunity for somebody to start taking over a business or even looking, you know, there was all of that stigma. Um, I think, I think that still is around in a lot of cultures. um, Mm. And that's kind of why I've decided to take the plunge and kind of step out and explain what my experiences were so that others kind of don't have that um, or don't feel the fear that necessarily I was able to battle um, and kind of push past so but it, it was really difficult especially on sites when people started to find out it was oh you're so and so's daughter is it and it was kind of like oh I don't want that to shield me yeah and it's hard because you have to in construction you have to improve yourself just walking through the door being you know a woman anyway and then <laughs> yeah. to add that layer on top it's just it can make it so hard for people um to get into the industry and can put a lot of people off and were there any points at which you were like oh this is not for me or did you just have a passion that it kept you going through no I think um I think it was I had that a fair few times kind of thinking oh should I just give up or something I mean um I started really late in the industry anyway um because I I started um to so obviously I came into the industry two weeks into a university um, kind of year. So it was about October I started. So I had to go straight into college. So I didn't miss out in that year. So I was already three or four weeks behind in college terms doing my HNC. So as soon as I, my first day was going to college, um, the next week I got told I had a test on an industry that I had no idea. So I was just like, oh, my God, I've got this exam on foundations. What the hell is a foundation? Like, really (laughs) stressing out. But then I couldn't tell anybody because I was like, right, I'm in this position. Just kind of got to get with it. Um, I was so lucky that there was people in our office that had been through the same process, like H&C and stuff. So they were able to help me. But, yeah, it it was a struggle. And I just thought, what am I doing here? Like, sitting in a college room the only Asian female for one out of only three females on a course of like 30 to 40 guys. And I was just like, Oh my God, what am I doing here? <laughs> yeah. It's daunting. very daunting. Um, yeah. Very daunting. And that never stops, does it? Because once you've got out the other side of the education and you get onto site nine times out of 10, you're the only female there as well. 
Yeah. I mean, um, I remember I was working on a job for about two years, right? And even after two years, the security guard asked me at the door, are you lost? Because I didn't come in with my full PPE. I just, I had a meeting that day. So, you know, I dressed a bit more smarter than I usually do. And he goes, um, excuse me, can I help you? I'm, are you lost? And I was like, no, like I work here. <laughs> and I've had that so many times when I've just turned up, had to call somebody from the outside because it's my first time on site. So I don't want to just walk in. Um, and they're kind of just saying, are you lost? And I was like, no, I'm from Abbey Contracts. We're working on job. Oh, okay, okay. It's so funny. It always gets to me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been mistaken for all sorts. Cleaners, apprentices. Like, yeah, it's ridiculous. I even had um, the the kind of funniest one, I guess, I had was someone came into the office and they were probing um, an apprentice of mine for all these answers. And he was, he like he literally looked about 10 um, and he was just like, uh, that's the senior engineer right there and I was just sat there but this guy just oh, wouldn't right. he just wouldn't believe it and like to a point where my apprentice was like seriously mate she's the senior engineer I don't know anything and it was just like it, yeah it's incredible that these things still happen I mean, that was probably like 13 years in experience wise um but yeah I, I've had it I've had it all on site so I get I get where you're coming from <laughs> and it's, yeah you, you have to laugh don't you I think you get so far in your career and you just have to laugh at these experiences because um, it would grind you down. Yeah, I, I totally agree there. I think initially when I was starting off, especially when I was spending more time on site by myself without anybody else there, I kind of took it quite offensively because I was like, are they just picking on me? Is it because they don't like women in the industry or is it because I'm an Indian girl? Like, what was it? Um, but then I think now I'm much more mature, especially after speaking to other women in the industry um, having similar issues and stuff or even people from BAME backgrounds who feel the same as me um I think having just just knowing in the back of your mind you're not the only one don't worry kind of lets you help it slide across even more quicker than you normally would have right yeah yeah and you have to pick your battles don't you you have to you know see what's just a genuine I was think it's interesting to look at the situation before you react so for example sometimes you have to take a step back and think I'm going into an environment where these guys have experienced zero women for 20, 30 years. Sometimes it's actually not their fault in, in a reaction yeah. that is normal because it's, it is actually the reality rather than they're just reacting that way. It's, it's not a personal yeah. thing. Yeah. No, I say it all the time as well. Like you cannot blame people, especially people on sites and stuff. They've never had to interact professionally or in a working environment with anybody um, of the sort. Um, so you just got to understand that it's a massive cultural um, change for them as well on sites. So it's going to be a big change for everyone. And we just need to be accepting and just like, you know, adapt to everybody's um, different ways of changing. Yeah. And it's going to take time. I mean, I think we're still now... I mean, yeah, it seems like we're still stuck in the dark ages and we've got so, so far to go, but things are changing slowly, um, cultures and attitudes. So, it, yeah, it is positive. The one thing that I, I kind of want to ask you about is, so like projects of a, uh, you, you kind of come under the QS side of things as well, is that right? Yeah, so I, I mainly look after like the commercial side of projects, um, but then obviously because it's um, a small business, we kind of just, delve into anything um and everything really okay right so uh, like, interesting i look at i i love looking into like the dynamics of roles on site and um 
being an engineer, I think the only thing that's kept me sane is that when I'm on site, the guys need me. Um, you know, they need me to set stuff out. Otherwise, they won't know where to put things and there won't know lines and levels. Um, yeah. So ultimately, it's kind of like, I guess, uh, it, it's, it's, the, it's the thing in my back pocket where if any abuse is given or if anything said, ultimately, you won't respect because they see you doing the work and, and they need you. But with um, QSs, I've always had this thing with QSs that there's kind of like, I would never, interestingly enough, I almost went the route at university. But I've always said that is the one job, apart from when I did project management, I was like, that's the one job that I just don't think I could do because because you're, you're looking at finances, you're almost controlling a business within construction which is so fast-paced moving everything's shifting and you've got so many different levels of personnel and it seems like nobody likes the QS on site and 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 you get abused from not only the ones at the bottom but the ones at the top because you're fighting for money but then you're also fighting for like you say keeping the project on target so how, how do you yeah, how do you handle that? I think it's a really tough job, and I'm interested to know, you know, what skills you think you need um, to survive such a get a, a bit of a brutal world, or maybe it's not that brutal. You let me no, know. No, I think I think um, I think QSs get that stigma because they're in control of money, and it's like I think growing up you have that perception, isn't it? When somebody's in control of money, oh, I can't do anything. Like imagine asking your parents for a fiver, and they saying, no, you need to justify why I should give you a fiver. You need yeah. to do x amount before you get or do this much chores before i give you money or do not so i think from young you've always had that perception of the person who controls the money um it's kind of always like um i don't know like a stern person who you've got to like uh, i don't know break down i guess but i think what i've uh, learned especially being so young into the industry still i think the more you build a relationship with the other qs um, it will help you, um, especially for us with subcontractors. So I don't necessarily control um, like the whole project costing. I just deal with our projects, but I'm having to deal with another QS who's having to fight you or, um, you know, to kind of not fight you, I guess, but ensure that they're not over giving you too much money. So I guess for me, it's more just justifying it. But within our own organization, it's like I'm having to scrutinize costs and say, well, why are we spending X amount here when we could get it from here? Or do you know what I mean? So I think I think you just have to let some things go sometimes, not be too much of a penny pincher. Um, Like my dad says to me all the time when he's teaching me, look at the grand scheme of things. You might give away, for example, £10 here today, not saying it is £10, but, you know, but then tomorrow you'll be on another job and you might get £20 because you've built that relationship. So I think the skill set, going back to your question, that you would need is definitely being able to be adaptable, um, being able to negotiate well um, and just being able to be a human, I guess, like just don't overdo it. Yeah. So, so like you say, the key point there, I guess, is, is relationships is, is um, it's the same on any level at site, no matter what job you're doing. If you can create relationships, then the job becomes a lot easier. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. That stands for every, every point. Um, yeah. Especially for us as subcontractors, like if we don't create that relationship, then there's less, chance of us being able to work on the next project especially with the same team or the same qs who will be able to control which can um somebody gets the job so right. as long as you build a relationship 
um, and people know you're workable, then, you know, it's much easier. It makes their job easier, makes your work easier. So, yeah. Hi, everyone. I hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. This is just a little interruption. I want to say thank you so much for tuning in and supporting the podcast. And if you've got time, please head over to www.shewhodareswins.com. On there, you'll find lots of information about our guests, including the show notes, and also a lot of content that I've produced for YouTube, which hopefully can help either inspire or support you on your journey. Um, so that's www.shewhodareswins.com. There's also a small range of merchandise on there, which if purchased helps to prop up this podcast and keep us inspiring and supporting women across the nation. So thank you so much. And let's get back to this great podcast. And how, so how many years are you in now? How many years have you been working in the industry? Um, it's about seven and a half years now. Okay, and, and like construction is so fast-paced, moving, there's lots of different types of projects. Do you guys stick to like one certain aspect of construction or do you take on lots of different projects? Yeah, so um, we, we just look after the carpentry and joinery side of things. So we're, we're predominantly just a carpentry subcontractor. Um, so we'll just come in, do what we need to do, and then that's it, move on to the next job, really. Cool. And and how do you, like, how do you get on with trades, tradesmen? Have you, you know, had any funny interesting times with them or generally has everything been quite smooth sailing no it's genuinely um smooth sailing um I've, I've when i was working on a job um for about two years where i was literally site-based all the time it really opened my eyes to um the site cultures and stuff and i think that's that's when i really kind of realized what the industry truly was like so for the first few years i just kind of had my head down i was going to site with other supervisors or with other people around me. And it was just, you know, you, you visit site, you do what you need to do, and then you leave. But when I was actually working on site for two years, day in, day out, you, you kind of see a different side of things, I guess. Um, yeah. And then that is where I really learned about how fast-paced construction really is. It's like a decision needs to be made now, 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 because it affects yeah. many other trades. So it's also working um, with other people, not just the client and contractor. And I think that's when I really actually understood that our industry all just works for one goal but we just sometimes um depending on what the job is kind of just all work individually and really we should all collaborate and integrate a bit more um and it would really help just projects yeah and i think that's a like a mindset and the interesting thing you said there about you know being placed on site the one thing um that i've been passionate about is obviously i've always been on site constantly is is looking at that culture that lives within the industry and you know like when I stepped into project management and I'd got joiners carpenters grounds workers drainage workers everyone works within their own little teams but on the grand scale of things sometimes things fall apart because other trades don't want to work with other trades and and like you say you're all working for one thing which is to get a project finished and get it finished on time and under budget and that everyone gets paid but sometimes there's this kind of like fighting battle and I think that goes right the way through to attitudes of having people on site as well um and that comes down to filtering in having women on site or having a qs on site or a project manager or working with managers and i think 
it's interesting that it's a battle that I've wanted to fight in that if we change the culture, um, you know, we shift attitudes and work yeah. together and just forget all the stuff that actually is not important. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying, listen, I'm not saying it would flow amazingly and that everyone would love their job because you know, construction moves so quickly so many different things happen on a daily basis it's near on impossible but sometimes we can eradicate um like i say the, the negative aspects of the culture um it would uh, it would definitely help projects as well as like mental health i mean there's certain things that you can just put in place i mean we've worked on jobs where um is mandatory every week on like a friday all the trades come together, all the site foremen, and they all have a project meeting to see where the job is at. And they all help each other to say, okay, well, I'll have X, Y, and Z rooms done for you tomorrow. So now you can go in and then paint it next week. Okay, that's fine. Now I can plan my men. But then we've worked on jobs where you don't have that at all. And you just think if there was a bit more organization or just planning happening for every two weeks ahead the job would just move so much faster and you probably would get it done um under budget because things are just being done so much more efficient because you just end up having so much wasted time otherwise on site um, yeah. And, no, it's, yeah it's interesting and that's one of the conversations that i had with barbara rez who was um Donald Trump's uh, head of construction yeah. and 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 interestingly she talks about the reason why he employed her was because she was so good at, at organizing and she knew the roles of every different tradesman but also she was in charge of finances and whilst he didn't like a lot of the stuff she did because she was fair people got on with her and she was well respected amongst clients contractors tradesmen because she was fair and it's it's just really interesting because you think does that come down to personality does that come down to ego does that come down to the fact that she was a woman and it does make you question these things yeah um, i mean I if, you, if you said that to a room of people oh it's because she's a woman you'd probably get burned at the stake but you do have to ask the question don't you I think it also goes back down to um, one of my points about relationship building. Like with everything you just said there, she probably built relationships with everyone, which allowed her to gain that respect, allowed her to gain that level of, okay, um, fairness and telling people, okay, no, you should do this or this. So when she did tell them something bad, it didn't come across as rude or being told off or whatever they wanted to think. It was, okay, you know what? She's always been a fair person. So where you grow those relationships, you grow that respect and stuff naturally. Yeah, no, 100% agree. And I think, um, yeah, it's important. I think it's a lot of, it gives them... it would be a helpful subject to be discussed with anyone coming into the industry um, to talk about relationships and how important they are in any job. Um, like you say, if you don't have that, I think everything else kind of falls apart. No matter how much you shout at a tradesman, <laughs> yeah, you're not going to do the work. That will not be the outcome, that is for sure. Right, well, before we kind of wrap up, I want to just touch on like diversity and inclusion and... Um, the things that you're passionate about and, and the things that you talk about with your public speaking. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, so at what point did you start to look around and think, you know, I want to try and help and give back and share your story on social media and, and where does that all come from? So um, I think for me initially um, for the first 
I would say three to four years of my career, I kind of just kept my head down. I didn't really make a fuss of things or anything like that and kind of just got on with it. And I was at my final year of university and I was, I'm such an eager beaver. And I think I blame that on being a Virgo really, because I'm such a perfectionist. And I kind of went in summer of my last year of university and I sat down with my university lecturer and I kind of said, look, I really want to write a good dissertation. And he goes, right. So he goes, you need to think about a dissertation that's going to go beyond the four walls of this university right now. And he made me sit and think. And I was like, you know what? Let me start doing a dissertation on women in construction. And it naturally just growed into what is the perception of people in the industry. And for my research, I then went to, back to my old high school. And um, when I went back to the old high school, you know, when you're going through the corridors, you just, all those memories flood back. And it was then I just sat and realized like, wow, the last five years I've come such a far journey from what I thought I was going to do five years ago when I was meant to do accounting and finance and fit that you know typical Indian role um, and I did a survey with the students and what I read on those surveys actually just broke my heart I had kids write um cre- like so the questions were would you come into construction and stuff and people were just were like no it's a peasant's job no I don't want to do it And then there was the other flip side of, oh, um, girls saying, no, my dad said I can't get into it because it's for females. Or no, my cousin said it's not a well-paid job, this, that, the other. And I just sat there going, oh, I got really angry because I was like, this isn't the case, Um, especially the peasants bit. Like, I, I really just, I had to tell the person who wrote that, like, no, this is really not the case. Who's feeding you that information? And they were like, oh, our families. Um. And it was at that point I realized, no, I have to do something. So I finished university, did my dissertation, and I really wanted to take it a bit further. And I got an opportunity to present the findings at um, a BIM London show. Um, It was bizarre. So I I went and I thought, okay, there'll be a good turnout or whatever. There was only about 10 people that turned up, two of those people being my dad and uncle. Um, And and I was just sitting in a room, I was like, oh, I'm presenting to 10 people, two people just being my dad and uncle. But out of those eight people that were just random people I never met, since then, every one of those eight people gave me an opportunity outside and it just curveballed. And then I really got into, right, you know, I can really help others by sharing this research. Um, And that from there, really just writing and researching and stuff. And then all the bad experiences that were happening to me on site. I didn't want that for anyone else. And I really wanted to change my community's perceptions and stuff. So like the other day, I went into the local community uh, careers fairs and I stood there under construction and I had parents come up to me saying, oh, what do you do? Like, you know, thinking, do I just do reception work, admin work, whatever? And I said, no, I go on site, I do this. And they were like, is that really a thing? Um, and I just had kids look at me just smiling back because I was challenging their parents. And they just like, we, I even invited Mace down with me because they've got a good um, Eden network and they came in and they had kids sign up um, to do programs. And I just thought, you know what, this is such a good, um, you know, breaking stereotypes and cultural barriers. So it was, it's really good. It's so interesting to me because, like you get in your own little groove and, and my groove is always like I you know I had the same realization and you know I looked up on site and was like holy crap I've been working for like 12 to 15 years and and pretty much been the, the only female ever on site I need to start talking about this and start sharing the story and, and start 
you know, telling girls and women that this is a job for them. And what, and the, one of the things that amazes me is, you know, I, I, it's hard, isn't it? Because you naturally don't talk about the financial side of things. But as an engineer, we, like as a setting out engineer, I just have to explain that we're on site and we're actually doing quite dirty physical work. Um, but the whole concept of people saying, you know, uh, a, a degree getting a degree and then becoming a doctor a lawyer all those those kind of really small area of careers that are in inverted commas really well respected and and you look at those and and you think well financially if, if you're putting aside I know it should never be looked at from a financial standpoint and it, you should yeah. enjoy the job but if you look at that financially like I I know um as, it's kind of awkward to, to put out there, but I know that I, I earn more than some doctors. And I earn more than lawyers. And, you, and you, sometimes you want to shout that, but it's a very British thing not to do it because why yeah. should you be shouting out? Because it's not a finance point of thing, but I suppose as a parent sometimes, it you know, is it the title? It's just, you know, you, you, you say your kid's a doctor and I get that. But what, what you've kind of, um, kind of reinstated to me and I guess, and this is not, I guess, for everyone, um, but from from your community from the Asian community that it seems that the pressure is so much more which might explain why when I've been to um, do talks with people that actually uh, now I've been managed to open my mind and say well the problem is not just women on site it's like yeah different ethnic minority groups and and even you know um, the LBGTQ um, and I look at I think right okay how many people have I worked at but on a site that are not, you know, white British? How many people have I worked at that are openly gay? How many people have I worked at that are transvestites? And it's like, holy crap, the problem is not just getting women on site, it's also no. other cultures. And also when, when I've worked with other, you know, I've worked with engineers that have come from Poland, from Africa, and they have been fantastic. Like their level of education and skills on site far sometimes, you know, goes past anyone that's been to a British yeah. university and it's mad and I think that where is this coming from is it coming from families and tradition or is it also coming from site culture that we're not accepting you know other races on site so it's really interesting so I'm so glad that kind of you're you know stand, and I'm sure there are other women out there that are standing up and and put it shining a light on this um on this situation I mean where do you like where, how do you think we fight it no, it's, it's, it's really interesting because I think um, I, I did really deep in thought why does not just my community, but why does the age, Asian culture kind of think like this maybe? Is it because we put too much onus on people doing the professional roles? Like, you know, the roles that um, I say that in the commas as well. You know how what they see is like the doctors, the dentists, the lawyers, yeah. et cetera, as seen as well, like you said, respected jobs. Are we just not respecting ourselves as an industry? But then I also think a lot of the people within my community, their parents, well, their dads mainly, um, have come through the industry, but all as tradesmen who have seen the harder side of the industry, should you say, like, you know, being on site and stuff like that and growing up maybe with those mild um, you know bad experiences and stuff so are they then telling their children no don't go into the industry because of their experiences okay yeah interesting because because a lot like like I said like growing up I had a lot of uncles around me who were all carpenters or electricians or tradesmen so has that 
perception then growing into their children to kind of say, no, we don't want you having that same hard labor that we did, even though there's so much technology now that takes away from a lot of that, you know, manual chiseling and this, that, the other. Um, so I think a lot of that even stems into it um, from from my understanding of it, for sure. Which comes back nicely down to the thing that we're all trying to do here, which is um, it, it's exposure, isn't it? So the more that you can do with the events, the more that you can share the stories on social media, um, the more we can change the perception. And, and I think, yeah, when you change the perception. That's when, you know, I've had quite a few emails from uh, guys who have got young daughters and they've said, you know, we don't really like social media, but I came across your page and thank you so much for everything you're doing because I've now opened my mind and, and realised that, you know, if you want to be a freelance engineer, you can run your own business, you can have your clients, you can have a very good standard of living, but you also you really enjoy the work because what's the point in being a doctor or a lawyer if you hate going to work every day? Yeah, no, I completely understand. You've got to love what you do and yeah. then the rest will be so much more easier yeah it's um it is really interesting so what is before we just finish up what what's next for you what do you want to do in the next kind of like five ten years um I think for me I definitely want to continue with this um what I'm doing in terms of helping to change um perceptions to represent not just um women in the industry but people from BAME backgrounds because I think BAME's kind of hits into not just women but also males too and we just we're just missing a trick there I think especially we're building all these environments for people um from different cultures and backgrounds but we've not got enough of those people helping to influence with the designs with you know things on site so how are we going to be able to create these urban spaces if not everybody's involved um I think I want to definitely do some more research I'm in the middle of um of collating some research that I've done on university students on perceptions of um, subcontractors and contractors, because I think I find a lot of um, people coming into our industry are maybe not respecting subcontractors as much. I mean, the other day I was speaking to somebody and they've been rejected from a few applications that they've made recently and been told there's no place um, for them to get into the industry. And I just thought, we're in a skill shortage yeah, how, no. how is nobody uh, <laughs> I've been talking to getting a job in this industry it's just and I see it on LinkedIn so much and I'm just like right we need to do something about this um so if I can help with things like that then yeah but continue to be the voice for change um and continue to help really where I can yeah no it's, it's um it's amazing to hear and it's so good that we've got people like you in the industry because it can only create a <laughs> we've opened up this conversation it's been opened up we just need everybody else now to help with the with the hard part which is changing parts of the industry not changing but mindsets opening up people's perceptions and stuff for sure yeah it's exactly it's that isn't it and it's sometimes it's difficult when you go to events because you feel like you're preaching to the already converted the people yeah. that are interested and it's like we now as a community and I think this is what I'm seeing with people like yourselves at events it's like how getting ahead to see everything right how do we filter that right the way down to everybody on site um yeah. and work from the bottom up as well as the top down because as much as you can put posters all around London or wherever with you know we're socially included and, and we're you know we have a workforce that's like diverse with a nice little poster the reality yeah. is when that person gets on site it's incredibly hard um yeah. 
and it, it's a chicken and the egg, isn't it? You've got to have people on site to change the perception, but then you've got to get allow people that were already on site to allow those people on site to to get there in the first place. Yeah, no, definitely. We have we have whatever we're telling people when they're coming into this industry. We need to be strong enough to support them after when they're here, so that they don't have the same experiences as us. Otherwise, we're going to have an even bigger community. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah or, or we're still people coming in and then leaving which is quite common um yeah yeah, yeah no not at all well thank you you've been an amazing guest it's been, oh, thank you for having me. It's been awesome. no worries i knew we'd get there eventually and um <laughs> yeah continue to do all the great awesome stuff you've done and and yeah let's keep in touch and no doubt you know from next in london um we should meet up and, and have a coffee and a chat because it'll be, be a lot of and I just want to say thank you to you for everything you do and all these podcasts and stuff. I mean, you're doing amazing and I'm sure the people out there listening are definitely thankful for you for everything you do. So from all of us listening in to you weekly, thank you. Oh, thanks, Angela. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Well, have a great weekend and we'll catch up soon. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the podcast this week. It gives me no greater pleasure than to share these ladies' inspiring stories with you all. If you wanted to and can afford to support this podcast, you can do so for less than the price of a coffee. What? Yeah, I know, that cheaply, on our Patreon account, link given in the show notes. As well as supporting the podcast, you can also get exclusive content from me, including videos, blog updates, exclusive discounts for the She Who Dares Win shop, and so much more. But as always, just having you here, listening in, gives me the greatest pleasure of all. Um, Don't forget, you can also leave me a voice message and I will get back to you right through the podcast. If you have a spare minute and you can review the podcast, I will be entirely grateful too. I wish you all a very good day and I hope to see you all soon. Bye.